How's it going? Welcome to the Music Matters Media Podcast. I'm Lisa. And I'm Eric. And today we have a really cool episode. We're going to be talking to John One. Super pumped about talking to him. Actually, Eric, we went to high school together. Personally, I love to see people winning, people doing well, um, people really prospering. So I think this is great. I'm super pumped to have him on our podcast today. And it's going to be a real pleasure. Sounds awesome. But before we get into that, we have our listener segment. For our listeners all around the world, top three listeners, let's get right into it. Number three, Mexico. Nice. Nice to see them again. Yep. Mexico coming in strong with number two. They got bumped down. United Kingdom. Still, they're still on there, still going strong. United Kingdom's forever going strong on our list. I can't even fathom the amount of people that listen to us from the UK. Truly honored, extremely grateful. They're constantly in the top three. Shout out to all of our UK listeners. And coming in at number one, we have Brazil. Nice, Brazil. Cool. Shout out to all my Brazilians out there. Thank you for coming in strong this week, all the way to number one. So we have our top three. We have Mexico, United Kingdom, and number one, Brazil. Thank you guys for listening, and thank you to all of our listeners from all around the world. We appreciate all of you dearly. And if you want to be on our top three next week, all you have to do is share this podcast with your friends, with your families, with your teachers with your neighbors whoever it may be and we could be shouting you out next and without further ado here is our interview with john one i hope you all enjoy hey Hey, john what's going on you're on now with lisa and eric hey man what's going on i wanted to ask you are you 24 or 25 now 25 25 because you have such an extensive resume for a 25-year-old. You think so? <laughs> I do. I really Thank do. You. you have been on quite a journey. Introduce yourself for our listeners. What's going on, guys? My name is John. I am a 25-year-old music producer from New York City. Uh, also a, I guess you could say, internet personality um, slash actor. There's just like that. so many hacks nowadays, but... Um, yeah, I'm excited to be here. That's awesome. So let's take it all the way back to the beginning first. How was music always a part of your life, and what kind of music did you listen to growing up? Uh, well, for me, I mean, growing up in a Guyanese household, it was always uh, a mixture. You know, we 
had Caribbean music. We had, uh, and, you know, for people who aren't familiar with um, Guyana, the whole country in the Caribbean, uh, in the northern part of South America, that um, basically we are, we look like we're Indian, but we're Caribbean. And we're, we're like a little mixture of both. We have like a, the Indian roots, but we have Caribbean flair because uh, we were taking, we we're taken to the country as slaves back in the day. Um, yeah, the, the music that like I was raised around was uh, primarily like reggae and you know dancehall, and then at the same time we you know still listen to the traditional Indian songs and stuff like that. Being a DJ, you have to learn to appreciate all genres of music. So uh, it definitely has broadened over the years. And um, I mean, I'm open to listening to any style or genre of music. And I think the cool thing is nowadays that genres are just mashing up into one. So there's a lot of uh, songs that you'll hear on the radio and you're like, I don't even know what to like categorize that as, you know? Yeah, absolutely. When did you decide that you were going to become a DJ, and who were some of your influences? This was when I was a young teenager, and my biggest influencers were probably my uncles, who used to DJ back in the day, and my dad. My dad was a DJ back in the day as well. So, like, I remember growing up, you know, there was always equipment in the house, and, um, you know, I kind of just, like, gravitated toward music in general. And, um... You know, when I was a teenager, that's when I started to kind of dabble with uh, the equipment. And, you know, I started to do, like, parties for uh, my friends and stuff like that. And I don't remember if you were at my first party, my first party ever. Do you remember? Um, it was one of our classmates, and she had a, this, like, birthday party in her house. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I might have. I think you might have been there. And, um, you know, I was playing off. And it was just a fun time. That's so crazy. So like, officially, that was my first ever party I played on my own. Wow. You know, and this was 13 years old. <laughs> so you've been doing this since 13? Since 13, yes. Yeah, it's like uh, 11, 12 years now. And how much practice has it taken you to get to where you're at today, from 13 to now? Well, like I said, the learning, um, you know, the learning, uh, you know, route um and you just you learn new things every day like even me uh especially with like the new like i guess the new uh models of like uh, equipment that, that come off um there's just so much to learn the technology is always changing and stuff like that so you know uh i mean practice does make perfect uh but i'm still always learning you know and you've gotten to play some major venues here in uh, New York City, like Pacha and Space and the Highland Ballroom and Best Buy Theater, now known as PlayStation Theater. Um, how did you start booking these kind of gigs? And when did you begin to see the growth in crowds and the shows that you were booking? Honestly, it's like I said, just baby steps. I mean, I've played the biggest places. I've also played, you know, the smallest, like, local places. You know, all these little bars that uh, we, you know, pass by all the time. Uh, I've been there, and, you know, I just I just started from the bottom, just playing these, like, little local places, and I just kind of working my way up. And, um, you know, the thing is, like, networking is key. So it's all about, like, the 
talent, yeah, but then another important aspect is who you know and, you know, the way you, uh, I guess, present yourself to other people. And Absolutely. You know, That's extremely that. important. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah, it's true because, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, uh, you know, people need to, have, they need to see value in you. So if you, you show them value, uh, then they'll, you know, I guess, help you out. So it's like, you just, you know, it's just a, a mixture of networking and a mixture of, um, you know, having the talent and putting the, the work in, you know. Was it a surreal feeling for you playing like, um, you know, local parties and stuff like that to making it to these types of venues and seeing the crowds and seeing the shows being sold out? So actually, um, when I first started playing, like the first um, like few years, I was just like a top 40 DJ. Like I played all types of genres. Um, I did West Indian parties, so I did play like, um, you know, like a lot of the Caribbean music and stuff like that. And um, I think uh, a few years down the line, I started to do some Sweet Sixteens. And I remember my friend, he used to always have like these house remixes of um, like Top 40 radio songs. And I, I thought that was cool because like it, it gave like just a normal song a little bit more of like a danceable uh, twist. And that's how I kind of got into EDM, which is electronic dance music, because uh, they're not familiar with it. But that's when I, you know, kind of like branched off to, to the EDM, um, uh, like, days, and uh, I started to produce instead of just play, play music. And when I started producing music and doing more EDM shows, that's when, uh, that's when I started playing the bigger ones. Wow. And for me, like, uh, for me, to make, like, the the full um, decision to just change up the like the DJ persona instead of being like a top forty DJ and just you know do primarily like dance music was when I did Pasha. The first time I ever did Pasha, that was a surreal feeling for me because I had people actually facing me instead of just like you know partying and not really paying attention to the DJ. You know, right? But, yeah, not not just having but, somebody there for background music. Exactly. Yeah. So now when you have all the attention on you, you really feel that energy, in it. and that's one thing I remember. Like just, um, you know, <clears throat> just like, taking all that in, and I, I said, you know what? I love like the, the the good vibes of it. I love the energy, and I think that this is the route that I want to take. I want to do more shows like this. You know, like this is really fun. That's amazing. That really is. Can you explain for people who might not know too much about EDM? Uh, the difference between being a DJ and becoming a music producer and the steps that you had to take to, to the producing side of music? So basically, uh, well, the main difference is like a DJ is just, you just play music. Um, but being a music producer now, and the reason why you see like uh, all these guys like Calvin Harris and David Guetta and all them, you know, playing shows like Coachella or even being at like, you know, Grammys and stuff like that. Uh, the difference is they're music producers, so they are artists themselves. You know, they're the ones who are in the studio um, <clears throat> producing the song with the vocalist, or even writing the song sometimes. So the reason they get booked for all these big, you know, huge events, and the reason that they get nominated for Grammys and stuff like that is because they are artists themselves. But I remember when I did that decision 
you know, and I, I, I went down that EDM route. I, I wanted people to look at me not just as a DJ anymore, but as an artist. So I actually dropped the DJ in my name. So <laughs> I used to be DJ John One. Yeah, um, I noticed that. Now, yeah, so now it's just John One, or you know, like my uh, all my social media is just John One Music because I want to be looked at looked at more as an artist instead of just oh the DJ guy, you know. Yeah, and, and I think um, that's a huge misconception, too, uh, when people think, oh, you know, when you say that you're a DJ and you're also a music producer, it's a huge misconception, the fact that people think that you're just back there pushing buttons and, yeah. you know, not playing your own music. Yeah, and that's the thing, and I remember when I first started to produce, like, it, it's so much work, like, to, to make one song or, like, one melody, like, it, like, it, you know... It seems simple, and it seems like it's really fun, and it is, but there's so many, like, technical, uh, like, aspects to it. Like, for instance, like, when you're EQing, um, you know, a mix down or mastering the, the final track, like, there's so much, like, math and science that goes into it, you know, like, you have to learn about, like, the, uh, the hertz and the decibels and, like, you know, uh, like, how, how much to cut off from your low end, stuff like that, just because... Because like when I, when I first started producing, like I made good music and that was cool. But what gets the uh, attention of like the, the record labels and stuff like that is quality sound. So you know you want to make sure that your song is you know it doesn't sound distorted or anything like that. Right. Anything like, anything that's attached to your name has to be quality over quantity. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's the thing. Quality over quantity. So I remember when I first started, I used to read PDF after PDF, and that's one thing I literally like studied this. I, you know, I I read. I had a part time job at the time at um, you know, an office, and I used to just read PDFs. You know, just study this while I'm at work, and that was my nine to five. And then my five to nine was using those you know skills and um, you know, putting it toward my work. Wow. Yeah, so it takes a lot of hustling and hard work. A lot of people don't realize how much goes into it, the behind-the-scenes work, because they just see the finished product, or they just see you up on stage playing music, or they just listen to whatever you're, you're putting out, but they don't realize how much actually goes into it, even creating a single song, let alone an album or an EP. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And a lot of people are asking, like, oh, did you, like, did you, and, like, did you learn? Did you go to school for it? Or did you learn how to play piano? from like lessons and I actually taught myself all this you know on my own and um you know I felt like if I had a chance to you know to go uh, to music school and take a uh, piano lesson I would still do it because you know you can never stop learning but I didn't learn the traditional way I kind of just uh read my way I think that's that is a lesson for everybody out there. If you have something that you're passionate about, you just have to go for it. Everybody sucks at the beginning, you know, and it takes a lot of trial and error and a lot of practice. But if you're willing to put in the work, you'll, you know, eventually see results from it. Yeah, 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 it's true. Yeah, and you know, like this, uh, this industry is just, um, it's a very risky one. Uh, you know, like nothing was ever promised, but at the same time, with the high risk, it comes high reward. So I, I've learned that over a few years, you know. It's a, it's a very up and down uh, round. A lot of times people think, you know, success is just like this exponential graph. You know, the more work you put in, the better it gets. But it, it, it I mean, it kind of is like that. But 
lot of ups and downs with it. You know, so you just have to expect that. Yeah, you got to take the failures as well and take them as lessons to be learned going forward. You've played a lot of major venues here in New York. What are some of the other places that you played outside of New York? like that point too because it's like you never know who may be listening at the same time so maybe they're unfamiliar with a certain genre and then you bring that to the forefront you basically introduce them to new music that way That's when you, uh, I guess, see people getting interested in, you know, 
have you seen the growth in when you started when you were 13 years old up until now in DJing and and in that industry and how DJing has become super super popular from even when we were just growing up as kids you know that's so weird I, I always like wondered that because um you know when when I started to do it remember when we were all kids in high school and uh there weren't many DJs you know <laughs> but it was just like that wasn't really the cool thing but now I guess with uh honestly I think with like the technology it's just so easy to you know YouTube something and you know or, or you know buy a program and start producing I think um, it just makes it a lot easier for kids to start DJing. But um, even like with the laptops, like you know, nowadays no one's using records or CDs; they're using laptops, and uh, everyone can just you know anyone can buy a laptop and download the program and just call themselves a DJ. In a way, does that bother you that the market for DJing and producing now has become so saturated and that there's a lot of just people that go out there, buy the equipment, and then automatically throw the label on themselves that they're now a DJ, whereas there's people like you that have literally put years of trial and error and hard work and practice into it? Does that ever get to you? Uh, or? Yeah, yeah, it does sometimes, but um, I try not to let it get to me because you always want to remain humble in this, so if there's always a kid that I come across or, you know, somebody who's, like, uh, needs advice or something, I just give me the advice, because uh, I remember when I was growing up, I, you know, I used to look up to a lot of people, and one thing that killed it for me was that a lot of people that I looked up to didn't really take me seriously, and, um, you know, like, my family members, like, they obviously helped me, but these are, like, other DJs in the community and stuff like that, and, um, you know, when you notice things like that, you don't want to be like that, you know, when, when you're bigger. Right. So, that's one thing I kind of, like, promised myself. It's like, it's annoying me sometimes that everyone is DJ, but if, uh, you know, someone wanted advice or they needed support, I'll, I'll do my best to support it. But, you know, the thing is, the main thing is, like, we just have to be for themselves. This is really what they want, I guess. I think that's great. I think that you um, willing to extend advice to, you know, the next generation and stuff like that. I think that says a lot about your personality. So I think that's great. The thing is, like, you never know who's who. You know, that, that one kid might be the most passionate kid ever. And then one day you might blow up bigger than I am, you know. Right. And it's like, he's going to remember. You have shared the stage with some major label DJs like Major Laser, Party Next Door, Laidback Luke, the list goes on and on. What was that like, sharing the stage with uh, the, some of the greats? It's like, it's crazy. I mean, just like meeting these guys in person and like, uh, you know, having just a conversation with them, it, it, like, it's so surreal because like you see them on TV all the time, you see their uh, music videos, you listen to them music all the time, but when you see them face to face, it's just like, I mean, when I first started out, it was like, uh, kind of nerve wracking because it's like, you know, you want to make a good first impression and you don't want to, like, come off as like a fanboy, you know? But nowadays it's just like, if I see somebody, I see somebody. I, I'm not even, like, thinking about taking a photo. I'm, the thing that I'm thinking about is, like, what can I do and never with them? Right, to build a so relationship. I, exactly. Like, how can we work together one day, you know? What's gonna what's gonna be a meaningful, you know, conversation?
conversation. That's right? good too, like to, to be thinking as far yeah. as like to be thinking about the future and how you exactly. can how you can uh, progress together and how you can bring value to that person instead of being like, Oh my god, you're so famous, like let's just snap a selfie and you know what I mean, you're not yeah. thinking about the moment. You're thinking about, okay, how can I take this and build this even further? Exactly. That's one thing I noticed, um, you know, from like being backstage, a lot of the like uh, DJs who were also on the bill, they would snap a selfie with like the, the main act and um, you know, that's it. To me, I used to bring USBs full of my uh, tracks that I produced and my contact info and I used to give those out. So then, you know, they would play that they would play my music in their set and stuff like that. Or it's just like so they basically see about you know, and I wouldn't snap a pick. That's one thing. You know, it was hard not to do it. Of course, of course, because, you know, your inner self is just like, holy crap, you know, but you have to play it cool. Yeah, you do, because the way out there is you're going to see them again. If, you, if you're in the country and you really keep the hard work up, you're going to see them again one day, so. To be honest with you, John, I also think that that alone makes you stand out amongst other music producers and DJs, because they'll actually remember that you were the one person that didn't try to uh, maybe harass exactly. them for a picture, you know? Exactly, and in, in that sense, they uh, they kind of respect you more as like uh, another fellow artist, you know, instead of just like, oh, he's a my opening DJ, he's a fan or whatever. But um, you know, they they'll look at you as another fellow DJ or another fellow artist or just like another human, you know. That's one thing. Everyone's human, so <laughs> I treat them like human. So. We have to get to this part because this is like, this is really what has blown me away throughout your whole resume that I was looking into. You collaborated with Avicii. Oh, yeah. We need to talk about this, John. This is huge. We need to talk about, rest in peace, first of all, to Avicii. We need to talk about his remix uh, contest and how that even came about in your world and the work that went into that. Actually, one of uh, my biggest influencers, 
or, or influences actually because it's just that style that he had when he first started that progressive melodic you know good feel good sounding style I I like that a lot and that's one of the styles that I first picked up when I first started producing so you know to be on a track with him he was just like a dream come true and when did that track come out? That was uh, 2013, I think. Wow, yeah. that's insane. How did you feel when you watched that video go up on YouTube, the music video, and you saw your name in the credits? <laughs> that was amazing. You know, because it's just like, it, this is like the, the every producer's dream, you know? Yeah, it kind of so, makes it all worth it, right? It did, because you know what? I spent so long, so many hours producing just for that competition because I was still working at all the shop. So literally after I got out, I would produce all the way until about 3 a.m. every single night and I would wake up to go back to work the next morning. But I was like super tired, super drained, but it was worth it. I wasn't expecting to win, but a very, very last round, I saw my name there and I went nuts. And did you gain more popularity amongst the EDM community after that collaboration? Oh, yeah. Um, there was actually a lot of, like, blogs, like EDM blogs and stuff like that that reached out for interviews and, like, the whole process and, you know, what's my story and stuff like that. So that was cool. You know, I actually did, like, some um, radio interviews, like, uh, across the seas in Toronto this radio interview about that and that was mentioned then another interview in Trinidad that was mentioned as well so I guess people kind of know about that that's cool I guess you've gotten to travel across the world to some like really incredible places do you have any favorite locations that you like to play at they're all cool and fun in their own way but I don't really have a favorite anytime I go somewhere I, for instance I went to Edmonton um Two years ago, and if you're not familiar where, with where that is, that's like, kind of like central Canada, like in between Alaska and Canada, and that was kind of the most isolated place I've ever been. And um, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, it was so weird. Like I was walking around on a Friday night in the city, and I literally saw five people. I counted. <laughs> it's so like kind of weird, but um. You know, just like the club scene out there, like, it's not the same as New York, but it was, you know, there still was like a uh, club scene. So there was, you know, people there, and it was still fun, because it's a different place. And that, that's one thing. Whenever I travel to like, a new place, the club scenes are just, they're all unique in their own way. So I have fun anywhere. Yeah, I'm sure it's really cool to see the vibe of each place you're playing at. And then compare each crowd and see how, you know, maybe the style of music might be different or, or maybe the people that you're looking in yeah. the crowd might be different. So that's really cool. Yeah, it don't really have to choose. I think I would say Trinidad. Because Trinidad, they, they can party. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I went I went uh, last year for my first uh, carnival experience. And, you know, before carnival itself, before that, like, parade and, you know, people, like, basically uh, walk on, like, the road and stuff like that or dance on the road. There's, the week before is just partying every single day. So I partied from Monday all the way to the next Monday. Wow. It's, it's very weird because they'll party, but then they'll have daytime parties, too. So, like, 
the daytime parties will start at like eight o'clock in the morning, and you have to be there at eight. And you know, then it ends in the afternoon. There'll be afternoon parties. There'll be the main parties in the night. And I remember at one point, uh, this was I think the Monday um, before the first like carnival two days, Monday and Tuesday. So that Monday is something called Juve morning. So you wake up around like two or three a.m. and you basically party as the sun rises. So we were partying on Sunday night. <laughs> I literally slept for 45 minutes and then woke up to try to make it to that. Did you make sure to bring a lot of Gatorade and Pedialyte with you? <laughs> no. <laughs> that's one thing. Yeah, that, that, that's just one thing. But that also segues, too, into uh, a kind of a polarizing question for, for DJs because I've heard it yeah. from both um, ends. Do you drink mm-hmm. while you're playing? Um, yeah, but I've played without drinking. Right, you want to still keep it professional because you never know who's in the crowd. Yeah, and then a lot of times, like I've actually, I've actually played a lot of um, gigs where I have to fly out the next morning, and you know those type of gigs, like I wouldn't drink because if I did, then I wouldn't wake up. <laughs> you might so, not make that flight. <laughs> exactly. So it, um, you know, like I don't have to, but uh, I do. <laughs> so since your collaboration with Avicii in in 2013, may he rest in peace. You have done a lot between now and then. So even last year alone was a huge year for you, um, especially with your releases and music. So you released an EP called Peace, Love, and Carnival, which you spoke about a little bit earlier. My my personal favorite song from there is Waves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you talk about what, what went into creating that EP? Yeah, so basically, um, I actually did that before the Carnival trip. And, you know, I went carnival uh you know I, we were booked it was me and my friend we were booked but it it like we got okay so my friend he does comedy fits as well i'm not sure if you guys are familiar with him but he goes by the name of prince tronic and um he, he is trinidadian himself so a lot of his skits are uh um <clears throat> they kind of like aim toward the caribbean crowd um so we both got booked there for doing these comedy skits and uh I remember I wanted to incorporate music somehow on that trip or, you know, just have something to kind of, like, promote while on that trip. And at the same time, like, we went there early. So if you have, like, a EP or even a CD or a mixtape and you're promoting it, like, a few days before Carnival, people are going to listen because, you remember, everyone was getting ready, you know, partying before the actual Carnival itself. Absolutely. So, yeah, so what really, um, you know, made me make the decision to make an EP instead of just like a mixtape uh, was, you know, that simple fact of just like I wanted to show, uh, I guess, some more creativity. I wanted to push the boundaries when it came to, um, you know, my productions and, you know, just my tracks. I wanted to twist, like, a lot of these, like, hot books on just completely rearrange everything. So all I used for all those tracks were, were just the vocals. I don't know if you compared... Um, the originals, the, the remixes, but all I used was the vocals. 
and I recreated the whole uh, melodies and beats and stuff. I, I remixed the hell out of it. <laughs> was it really popular over there when you were uh, showing them your new music? I don't know. I guess I guess it was popular. It, it ended up on uh, the radio stations over there. So wow! I, Congratulations. I, That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I actually had a lot of friends who, uh, you know, who control the radio stations over there. So when they heard it, they automatically wanted to put it on and stuff. So it, it was funny because when I was there driving around, I heard my song coming from the radio like crazy, like, you know, like every single day. And I was just like, oh, that's cool. You're such a humble guy. You're you're hearing yourself on the radio over there and you're like, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no big deal. I don't know. It's pretty cool. And, and I think, I, I wonder if they still play it. I think they do because I went back um, after Carnival itself and this was just like, there was no occasion I went back, but I still heard my, uh, my track. Uh, I, I guess it's a rotation or something. So, also, 2017 was a huge year for you because not only did you release that EP, but you started the Monday Mixtape series, which is my personal favorite. I love the Monday Mixtape series. I know I already spoke yeah. to you about this. My personal favorites are mixtapes 7 and 8. Can you explain how um, you started making those you know, what was the motivation to making those? Yeah, yeah. So for that now, I just, same thing, I just kind of want to push it a little bit, push the boundaries and uh, just really hone in on this, uh, the, the hustle. And I said, why not take it a step further and start like this little podcast series? Because you know what? Like, I like to listen to music, <laughs> you know, but a lot of times, like, uh, first, the first episode, it's not like, it's not really party, party, dancehall music, you know, but it, it does have a few of those tracks in there, but honestly, I made it for myself, and, um, you know, my friends and stuff like that, so when you needed to go on the beach or something like that, we just need some place, because I found that a lot of, um, a lot of the mixes that I heard, for instance, like, there's too much, like, commercials in it, like, you know, how they have, like, uh, too much talking in it, stuff like that, too much sound effects, and I really just wanted a simple mix. The thing is, like, I mean, you could listen to Pandora, Shazam, but it's not the same when it's played track by track. So I wanted it to be mixed at the same time. I don't want all the crazy vocals and effects and stuff like that. So that's, yeah, that's the real reason I made it. <laughs> that's what gets me going through my workouts at the gym, those mix, yeah. those mix tapes. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And that's, um, you know, like, that's the thing. Like, a lot of people, they work out with it or I just drive around with it. And I made it 30 minutes, too, because I didn't want it to be too long. Yeah, but that, that was cool. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's just another thing to just keep the grind and keep the hustle going. And, you know, that forced me to organize music every week or every two weeks and, um, you know, get that together and just be in the studio working on that. Because when you're constantly working, you just get into that, that workflow. When you're in that workflow, then you just continue producing and stuff like that. And the second thing I was going to ask you about the mixtapes is uh, are we going to see them again in 2018? Yeah, we'll see them again. That, that's one thing I did, kind of definitely took a break on that. But um, you know, like with all the things, it, it's important to take a pause and you know uh, just rest a little bit, uh, recalibrate, and then jump back into it. So yeah, you'll definitely see more episodes for this year. But um, the the cool thing is that during my my breaks and my pauses, I uh. I always have to be doing something. So, you know, during, like, this break, for instance, I've been doing more of, like, acting and getting my feet wet in the acting world. So I've been kind of busy with that. 
Yes, I was going to get right to that. I know you've been doing skits online with your friends and family, and they're really funny clips that you posted on your Instagram, and they've also seemed to gain a lot of traction. Did you start doing those for fun, or is acting something that you've always been passionate about as well? Yeah, those kids have really taken off too. I've seen the plays on those. Yeah, and that's exactly the weird thing too, because it's like we were just having fun. You know, anytime we film, we just have fun. Uh, half the videos are filmed on the iPhone. You know, we'll invite a group of friends over and we'll just, you know, we'll have the concept already like on our minds, and, and we'll just kind of figure out what uh, setting to it in, what to wear, and stuff like that, uh, what music to put in it, and we you kind of learn to put together like many little clips on your own, I guess. And, um, you know, yeah, so we had fun doing them, but we never expected them to really take off like that. And I remember when I broke my, uh, my first million viewer, I kind of, like, didn't really believe it at first. <laughs> yeah, were you mind blown? You're like, wow, a million people just watched me, you know, do this thing for fun. Yeah, because it's very weird. Because, like, it, I don't know, it just, fun and you film it on an iPhone that, you know, a million people are seeing your face. You know, so it's like after that, I was just like, yeah, I want this more. So, you know, like, let's see how much we can, you know, uh, make this grow. And, um, yeah, honestly, that, that's one of the, the things that kind of uh, I guess uh, made my following go up a little bit more too, was just doing these comedy skits and collaborating with other And you zeroing on acting has really paid off because you just scored a role in Creed, Creed 2. Yep, yep. yep. So that can you talk fun. about how that came about and also who you're playing in Creed 2? Yeah, so <laughs> it's just like a weird, like how all these things like happen. It's so weird. It, it, it all happened. It all started from these funny videos. It's so weird. But so, um, yeah, so I... I
you want to get your feet wet to see how major production is all uh, put together, then by all means do it. Because I remember, you know, doing it for the first few uh, gigs. It was like, wow, like, to see these big cameras and, you know, see the cranes and the green screens and stuff like that. It's like, this is like really behind the scenes here. And you're seeing it right there. And you're a part of it, you know. So, and, and it's, not, it's not just about, you know, being in it, but it's the people who you meet. You know, you meet the directors, you meet, you know, other fellow background people. And a lot of times they're all other, uh, they hold other titles, you know, aside from doing that. And they, they have that same interest of being a principal character one day too. So it, it's definitely a good networking, um, social place. You know, I, I've met so many talented people just from doing that. And not for Creed, um, I actually started doing background with Creed, uh, two weeks and, and I remember the third week that I, I you know went in we had did we had did the scene um, we filmed all day and we were wrapping up around 5pm and one of the uh, PA people pulled me aside and I like, come with me so I remember going with her and we went into this room I'm in the room with Michael B. Jordan at the house there the director and, uh, and then she tells me she's like alright we want you to play uh Basically, Michael B. Jordan's entourage. So here's what you have to do. And he told me what to do. So I can't really tell you what I did. But Do you know when the release date for that movie is yet? Yeah, it's in November. I believe it's November 21st. So, and that was cool. And, you know, same thing. It was kind of like a principal background role because I still don't have like, a speaking line or anything like that. But to be acting alongside these major successful actors, it was, it was pretty fun and uh, pretty Listen, John, I know you're humble, but from going from uh, acting out skits on, on the internet to being in Creed 2, I mean, you got to pat yourself on the back even a, just a little bit for that. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I don't know. Like I said, it's a learning experience. And the way I look at it, like, it's just going to get bigger and bigger, you know? So I just, I, I take it and I, I celebrate the small wins, but at the same time, uh, you know, I just want to keep on growing in this industry. So, you know, like, being with those uh, those guys and talking to Tessa Thompson and Michael B. Jordan, it's just like, it's very, very motivational. I remember coming home and just exhausted from working the whole day. And, you know, acting seems cool and all, but I actually never realized it's so long. Like, <laughs> we filmed from like 6 a.m. to 12 a.m. every single day. Wow. It was like, it was crazy exhausting. And, um, actually, at one point, I almost passed out. This is uh, my third day in. Uh, I kind of like, I kind of like, I guess I was dehydrated or something like that. I was skating. So they had to have uh, four medics take me out. Michael had to stop uh, filming. <laughs> and um, I had to like go to the medics' room and lay down. And, uh, That's insane. Water. My blood pressure was high. Like, yeah, it was insane because uh, I was just over caffeine. I was drinking too much coffee and stuff. And that really, you know, paying attention to the water. That's one thing I learned to take everybody doing But I guess, you know, I, I guess I'm just props because uh, you know, to film a whole movie or a whole, like, TV show, like, now I know how much work goes into it. Yeah, even the smallest scenes take hours upon hours to, to film. It all depends on capturing yeah. that right moment. Exactly, and I mean, getting it from every single angle, you know, getting uh, reactions from the crowd or whatever it is, you know, I... I really give them 
have a little funny story to tell about. So Creed 2, Michael B. Jordan's Entourage, we can look out for you later this year. Yeah, you'll see me. Yep. <laughs> Super exciting. So do you have any plans for new music or touring in the future? Uh, yeah, so the main focus right now and the reason I've been so quiet is uh, I have literally so many tracks. Uh, I want to say about 50 solid tracks sitting there on my computer ready to go. And uh, that's the reason really why I'm not too worried because a lot of people are going to like, uh, you know, have you stopped music a lot? Like, what are you doing? And uh, really and truly, they're not really ready for what's about to come. I love that. I'm all for the working in silence and then just letting your yeah, exactly. product speak for itself. That's the thing. I'm just kind of plotting right now. And um, what, why I'm waiting, though, is uh, I'm kind of testing out different vocalists for these tracks. Because, you know, like I said, going back to that whole artist thing, now I want to kind of make um, some music with vocals, you know. So I'm kind of testing out different, different artists and uh, vocalists on these tracks to see which one fits this or doesn't fit. And um, then slowly during the summer, hopefully, we'll start to see more, uh, I guess, kind of radio-sounding tracks come out or, you know. I mean, my style is completely like all over the place, so I don't even know how to describe it, but you'll, you'll see the tracks start to come out one by one by one by one. And people are going to wonder, like, how is this guy producing so quickly? But the thing is, I actually just have... You had them loaded up in the arsenal. <laughs> yeah, they, they're loaded up and ready to go. And that's the thing I have. Like, There's another hundred tracks that are just halfway done. Like, I was counting the other day, and I'm like, wow, I have so much music. That's but, incredible, John. You're always working, always hustling. You're never just waiting for something to fall onto your lap. You make things happen. Yeah, that's the thing. The doors don't open, you have to break them down. <laughs> that's the, the motto of do you have any advice for up-and-coming DJs and or music producers? Just do it, you know. <laughs> That's all I can say, just do it. Because, um, you know, you never know if, you know, you never know what it could have been if you never tried. So, for me, for instance, uh, being a music guy and trying to do skits and stuff like that, like, I never knew how big it would have got. And, you know, skits are these funny videos, but it, it's like, not only grown my following, but I've met so many big, like, uh, mentors and big uh, people in the industry from these skits, you know. And, uh, like I said, networking is key, so you never know who knows someone or who has an opportunity waiting for you. So just do it, you know. Just go for it. And, John, I know you launched your website last year, so can you give a shout-out and let people know what your website is and where they can find you on social media? Yeah, so uh, my website is uh, johnwinemusic.com. That's J-O-N-O-N-E music.com. And all of my social media is at johnwinemusic. Well, the same exact way. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, even my YouTube, it's all at johnwinemusic. And you can find all the socials on my website. You can see... My EP, you can see my SoundCloud on my website, all my tracks, uh, and even my comedy skits. You can see everything there. So, yep. Awesome work, awesome work. And before we let you go, we are Music Matters Media, so I need to ask you, why does music matter to you? Music matters to me because it's just uh, an escape sometimes. You know, it relaxes you, it 
it puts you in a good mood. It, it all depends on the mood that you're feeling. But music to me, it's just uh, it's just a fun little good vibe to escape. And uh, you know, everyone loves music. I feel. How can you not like music? Music matters, right? Music matters, John. It does. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on today, John. I really, really sincerely appreciate it. You're such a good guy, extremely humble. I love everything that you're doing. Your resume is insane. I don't care what you say. It's insane for somebody that's 25 years old to have the extensive resume that you have. You are always welcome back on any time to promote any future projects. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, that was John One, electronic music producer and DJ slash actor slash internet personality slash somebody that I went to high school with. Extremely, extremely proud of him. Eric, he's just such a humble guy for having such an extensive resume at only 25 years old. I know. He's a true jack of all trades, man. I'm, I'm jealous. <laughs> so if you want to check out John's music all you have to do is go to www.johnonemusic.com. Make sure that John is spelled J-O-N, and you can find him on Instagram, on Twitter. He is everywhere, people. Look for him. He is doing some big things. You can also catch him in the movie Creed 2 coming out this November. So excited for him. I can't wait to, uh, to point him out. So guys, on that note, we want to know what you thought of today's episode. What do you think about his journey, becoming a DJ, and then getting into music production? All the people he's collaborated with, including Avicii, rest in peace. There was a lot discussed today, guys, and we want to know your take on it. You can reach out to us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Facebook at Music Matters Media. And stay tuned for our next episode.